0: Pastor Jim Critcher uh, started this year with a word about Goshen. Y'all, y'all remember that right at the beginning of the year? And, uh, and I want to build on that a little bit today, but I want to do something a little bit different uh, that will merge in with Goshen. I would like today to teach the word in such a way that you do something differently for the rest of your life. That, that's how I'd like for it to happen. The Lord will have to do it. No human being has the power to do that. But I would like today <coughs> excuse me, to teach the Word so that you never take the Lord's Supper the same way again. That, that's what I'd like to have happen today. I'd like to show you from the Word that there's more to the Lord's Supper than most of us, you know, most Christians walk in. And then have us begin to add that to our understanding of the Lord's Supper. By the way, uh, those of you who are time watchers and list makers, and I'm one of them, uh, notice that we haven't done the Lord's Supper yet, and so you're like holding the cup in your hand going, they missed it, they forgot. Should I tell them? Should I tell an usher? What should I do? What do I do about this? Let me consult my iPhone reminders list. What should I do? That's me. I told them to hold up. I asked if we could have it as, as an extension of the sermon, so... Look at the relief on some of the listmakers' makers' faces. They're like, thank you, Jesus, the millennium has come. So we will get to the Lord's Supper in about 20 minutes, okay? That was my request. I want to talk to you about what I call the Goshen factor. And let me tell you straight up, very clearly this, this morning, is it still morning? I'm sorry, now it's afternoon. Uh, let me tell you straight up what I want to have all of us walk in and understand uh, when I'm done here in about 20 minutes so we can go to the Lord's Supper. I want us to understand and to have to establish in our understanding that the Lord's Supper is a delivery system for the power of God. It is some other things, and we focused on those other things almost exclusively. But I want to suggest, in all loving kindness, that what we have neglected is that the Lord's Supper is meant to be a delivery system into our lives. For the power of God. Now, I've asked uh, that we start with this scripture. I'm going to refer to a number of scriptures, and you don't necessarily have to turn there. But here is 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-six, and I'm reading in the New International Version. It says, "For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes." powerful we've heard it we hear it most every time if you're from a liturgical church they literally quote the words from 1 Corinthians 11 uh, constantly on the night he was betrayed the lord you know took the bread and blessed it and said this is the bread etc awesome wonderful and what 1 Corinthians 11 encourages us to do is to first of all remember right Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So we know that's what we're meant to do. To recall his sacrifice on the cross. To recall the whipping of his body and the traumatizing and the damage to his body symbolized by the bread. Many people break it when they take it. uh, To remember that. And, And of course, the juice or the wine used to remember the blood of Jesus applied to our lives. So we remember. And then what does the Bible also say in 1 Corinthians 11? It says, to discern... It actually says this is so powerful that people who don't discern properly, many of them were dying in the early church. It says they were falling asleep, which is a euphemism for for dying. So what we're meant to do, we know, and we've all done in church for many years, usually, is to remember the Lord's sacrifice and to discern the difference and the meaning of the bread and the wine, the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus, right? Isn't that what we do? And that's fine, and I'm not chastising that, and I'm not bothered by that, and that's what we need to, to do because that's what Jesus commanded. But there is more taught in the New Testament about the Lord's Supper. And if we will bring that understanding into the New Covenant, into the new, our New Testament experience of the Lord's Supper, I believe we can experience the power of God applied to our lives at the Lord's table. Because what we tend to do, what can happen is that the communion time is sort of, and I don't mean to be sarcastic, but sort of the museum time in our service. It's sort of the now I lay me down to sleep remembrance time, kind of a sweet moment when we remember what Jesus did. And that's good, and that's powerful, and I don't mean to put it down, but it's just not all there is. Listen to these other two verses that I want to bring to you. In... in, uh, the scriptures here, it says, 1 Corinthians 5.8, Therefore, let us keep the festival. What's the festival? It's Passover. That's, that's what pa- festival would mean in the New Testament. It means that when Jews said the festival, they meant Passover. So I'll read the verse with Passover in there. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread, leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And the verse that comes right before that, 1 Corinthians 5.7, says this. For Christ, our Passover lamb is slain. For Christ, our Passover lamb is slain. And all of this is in a discussion about the Lord's Supper. Now, let me just take us for a moment through this. We want to remember the Lord. We want to remember his sacrifice. We want to know the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus and what they mean. But we are meant in the Lord's Supper to understand this truth, that the Lord's Supper in the New Testament is also the Passover Supper of the Old Testament. When you celebrate the Lord's Supper, you are celebrating the Passover in a new covenant way, and that's why the Bible says, Christ, our Passover lamb, is slain. Now let me keep on going with this. And don't remember, you promised me double the amens. Okay, so I'm going to beat Kritcher on the amen scale. All right, we got to do that. Remember the Old Testament. Joseph, one of the patriarchs, goes into Egypt as a slave and a servant. And then he shows his brilliance and magnificence, as God-given brilliance, and he delivers Egypt, and Pharaoh makes him the number two guy in all of Egypt. Right? You know that story. You've read it before. Then Joseph's family gets reconciled to him in a moving and amazing way. They come into Egypt, and the pharaoh is so delighted that he gives them this land called Goshen, okay? And at that time, it's a beautiful and preferred land. But you know the story. You know what happens. That pharaoh dies, the Hebrews grow in number, and over the 400 years that follow, they increasingly are diminished and oppressed, and they become slaves, and the Bible has that great phrase that says, there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. In other words, the Pharaohs forgot all the good that Joseph had done and all the good that the Hebrew people had done, and so they oppressed them and enslaved them, and it was horrible. Took their families, killed their children, uh, had them, tried to get the midwives to let the male babies die. I mean, it was horrible. And finally, God raised up Moses what was Moses' job? Moses' job was to go to Pharaoh and say, let, God says, let my people go that they might worship me. Well, when Pharaoh heard those words, what does the Bible say? His heart just hardened. So now you've got the beginning of plagues. Remember the plagues from the Old Testament in this story? And, and if I describe them all, you'd start itching and scratching right now because there were plagues of lice and there were plagues of you know locusts and there were pl- blood, the water turns to blood and on and on and on. And Pharaoh's heart just keeps hardening. Now hang with me here. Finally, finally, the final plague, the 10th plague comes and it's the death of the firstborn. And so uh, God says, I'm going to kill all the firstborn in the land. But he establishes the Passover for the people of God in the land of Goshen. And the Passover is this. He says to the Hebrew children, if you will sacrifice a lamb and take its blood and put it on your doorpost, the word in Hebrew is actually swipe the blood. But given that we live in an iPhone world, I'm worried you guys will start swiping your iPhones, you know, like during the Lord's Supper. So uh, the, swipe the blood on the, the, the doorposts. And the Bible says, when I see the blood on the doorposts, I will pass by that house. So the spirit of death will not come onto that house. All the firstborn in Egypt are going to die. All the firstborn are going to die. But when I I send out the spirit of death and I see the blood of the sacrificed lamb on the doorposts of a house, I will pass that house by and I will not curse it. And that's where we get Passover. I will pass over. Now here's what I want you to understand from the New Testament before we go to the Lord's Supper. When you partake of the Lord's Supper, that great confession Christ, our Passover lamb, is slain. He has become our Passover. So even though you take a little bit of juice and a little bit of bread and you partake of it and we remember who Jesus is, in a sense, it's not just a little taking of a little juice and bread. It's taking the blood of a lamb and washing it onto to our, 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 our households so that the curse flowing in the land of this generation passes us by. Come on. That's the promise of the living God. And see, I'm not trying to create something new on my own. I'm saying, you see, the Bible tells us the New, the new Testament communion or Eucharist or Lord's Supper or whatever you call it, uh, that is the Passover lamb also. Yes, you, you, need to, you need to discern the body and remember, but I also want you to bring all the blessings from the Passover into your communion table and, and celebrate that. So, and, and by the way, this is not just about you individually. This is what's exciting to me. Bev and I have got three children. And one's up in New York and working a job and starting a career. And the two boys are in Nashville. I don't know what they're doing this morning. I think they're all in church, but they may not be. What, I don't know where they are. And I knew how they were doing spiritually three days ago, but I'm just saying right now I don't know what, where they are. What they're—you you know what I'm talking about? I mean, they're—they're they're 20. They're 20-year-olds. 20 Who knows what they're swinging from the chandeliers? Who knows what they're doing? Let me tell you something. This morning they get splashed with some blood of Jesus. Why? Because my household is gonna have the blood of Jesus swiped on its doorpost and they're in my house. And I don't mind cheating. I'll let the supply in faith to uncles and people I haven't seen at reunions in twenty years. If you're in my house, you're getting some blood this morning when we go to the Lord's Supper. You follow what I'm saying? Because the Lord is about redeeming households. So see, I want you to, you see why I'm excited about this. I I don't care the, the actual physical manner in which you take the Lord's Supper. Just know that it's not about a museum moment. It's not about remembering a past event. It's about applying the power of that event now to your life. I believe things change. I believe the curse passes us by. You understand what I mean. I believe there's change that happens. So that's number one in the Goshen factor. Number one is the curse flowing in the land passes us by now we could talk about that for 10 years couldn't we the curses flowing in this generation we don't have time for that this morning we'll have to trust somebody else to do that but it's broken in the name of jesus number two it says in the scriptures that god prospered them god prospered them do you remember that the that the egyptians actually gave them wealth as they left the egyptians after gave them something now listen I know that some nitwits in our generation have taken the biblical teaching of prosperity and gone too far. I understand that. And it offends me like it offends you. God is not about giving us bling so we can show off in the eyes of the world. You know what I'm talking about. But the Lord is about prospering his people so they can be blessed to be a blessing. The Lord is about giving you not only what you need, but above and beyond that so you can touch the poor and the needy and reach into hurting lives in this generation. I, one of the men I most admire is Rick Warren. And Rick Warren wrote that book, Purpose Driven Life, which you know he stole from me. But nevertheless, um, uh, he made so much, from that money that, from, so much money from that book that he began to reverse tithe. He's a friend of mine. He lives on 10% and gives away 90% of what he makes off that book that I wrote. And um, <laughs> shh. Um, I, I, I tell him that every time I see him. That's how prosperous I want you to be. I, I, you know, we're not stupid enough to think we got to have expensive stuff way beyond our needs. Just have your needs met and then have millions more so you can change lives in this generation. Do you follow what I'm saying? That's, that's what we mean by prosperity. We're not talking about, I mean, I mean, how many clothes can you wear? How many houses can you have? How many cars? You know, come on. At some point it becomes idolatry. Have your needs met. Ladies, buy a pair of those, those shoes with the red bottoms, whatever. I'm not trying to mess with you. I wouldn't take Danelle's shoes for anything in the world. you understand what I'm saying? But once you're sated, for heaven's sakes, let's ask the Lord for so much more we can give away 90% and touch lives in this generation. That's what God wants to do. Did you know that that's connected to your partaking of the Lord's Supper? When you partake of the Lord's Supper, that's meant to be a renewal of that covenant that promises that you will be blessed to be a blessing. Now, when you start thinking about wealth that way, I'm not ashamed to say, Lord, please, Give me an abundance so I can break into poverty cycles and I can scholarship kids to school who wouldn't go otherwise. You know, all the things, start foundations, whatever, give away cars, whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but give me a lot so I can do that kind of thing. Number three in this Goshen factor, number one is the curse passes us by. Number two, he prospers, he prospers us. Number three is he takes us out of Egypt. Now, Egypt was a land that was all about death. Uh, Egypt's religions, if you go back and do a little diving in on that, you'll find that they believed that life was about preparing for death. That's why the preoccupation with mummies and And, uh, you know, pyramids, and they even buried, believe it or not, in horrible ways, people who were living with the dead so that they would be there to serve them in the next life. It was a horrible system, Um, but it was all about death. So here are the Hebrews not only being oppressed and having their families busted up, getting no reward for their labors, and, and being worked to death and having their children murdered, but they're also living in a whole society that's all about death. It was a land of darkness and death in every way. And the Lord delivered them out of that. So this third point, see, this is how I'd like for to see us come to the Lord's Supper. I'm not trying to change anything we do here because it's not about the ritual; it's about what's in your heart and in your faith. Um, the third point is now your job, your 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 family. Uh, your, 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 you know, the bondage that the enemy might have put you on, the disconnections and heritage and legacy, uh, the, all the negatives that of, of, of improper placement and slavery and bondage, all of that's broken in the name of Jesus. And then the fourth one is the wonderful one. You get taken into the land of promise. What's the land of promise? The promised land is a land of destined victories. I like destined victories. I mean, I'm not good enough to win my own victories. I need for Jesus to go ahead of me and win the victory first, and then I'll show up and, you know, enjoy it, right? Ephesians 2.10 says he's prepared works for us to do in advance, right? I want destined victories. I want destined connecti- connections on the metro. Bev and I live down in Alexandria, so we take the metro all the time. We're always talking to people, and I'm always thinking, is this the destined one? Is this somebody that something's going to happen? I want destined victories. I want a restoration of legacy and heritage. I don't want to be disconnected from what comes before me, not only in the family of faith, but in my own family. And I want my children connected to the purposes of God in my life. You know what I'm talking about. I want, I want the restoration of heritage and legacy. I want ownership. I want belonging. I want divine placement. I want generational purpose. I want honor. Do you, do you, I don't mean honors like, like trophies or whatever. I just mean honor for each other. All of that was part of being in the promised land. So maybe you can imagine when I go to the Lord's Supper, I I mean, I'm taking all of that. Why? Because Jesus paid for it. I don't want to dishonor him by walking in one bit less of what he's promised. So do you see where I'm heading here? that the Lord's Supper is not to meant to be, and I, please don't hear me being insulting, but I'm trying to make a point where we just kind of get quiet for a moment and go, yes, I remember that day 2,000 years ago when Jesus sacrificed for us. Thank you, Lord. That was awesome. Drink, eat. I mean, I mean that is part of it, just a remembrance. But if all we do is remember without applying the power that was purchased for us, do you understand that we're walking unless that God provided So it does not matter to me. Maybe you're visiting us today, and you're from a Catholic church, or or Anglican church, or Episcopal church, and 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 uh, and you quietly take the Lord's Supper in your church. Fine. We're not. We don't care whether you got you know Eric Clapton playing guitar on stage, or the organist, or you hum or play harmonicas. We don't care. That's not the point. The point is, in your heart and in your faith, do you know that the Lord's Supper is a moment where Christ, our Passover lamb, is slain and raised from the dead, and all the blessings of the Passover are ours? That's what I want. That's what I want. I want people in my family changed without even knowing why on a Sunday morning or wherever I'm taking the Lord's Supper. Why? Because I'm splashing big buckets by faith of the blood of Jesus. You understand what I mean. That's how we change lives that's how we change lives. Maybe we ought to leave, in some cases, our children and, our, and the folks we try to just browbeat into church and faith. You know what I'm talking about. You're not going to church. you know? Maybe we should not do that and just come here and get strong about the stuff that'll affect them covenantally. You know what I'm saying? I don't know where my knucklehead son is. He's a Christian. He's a good guy. I love him. If his lazy backbone is laying in bed this morning, I'm splashing him, right? You follow what I'm saying? I want him to go up and go, what was that? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I better go to church, you know, or whatever. I better, where's dad? Something's wrong. Oh, dad's taking, actually, my kids would go, dad's taking communion again. That's why I'm here on the floor squalling in prayer or whatever. You know, I want covenantal stuff. I want stuff that comes down the family line. I want to change some things. That's what I want. And all we're talking about is the covenant of Jesus with you that comes into application at the Lord's Supper. Now, I'm not trying to make some new religious kind of system. You don't have to take the Lord's Supper for this stuff to happen. You could have attended a conference on the restoration of heritage or something, and they teach you, and you start taking hold of stuff, and things start changing. It can happen a lot of ways, but what I want you to know is the Lord's Supper is where we come and we say, all of it, baby, all of it. For Christ, our Passover lamb is slain now say that those words mean something different don't they jesus is our passover lamb and he is slain and that's not that is, that shouldn't produce a and so let's memorialize him i mean i i mean I, there's a solemnness too i don't mean to mock that because there is a respect and a solemnity but baby when the power is applied When we're ennobled, when it fills our soul, when the Spirit comes and empowers all of that, things ought to change. Churches are not museums. Churches are places where you experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. When you take this juice and this wine, I mean, this bread in your hands, and you say, Christ, our Passover lamb is slain, about 92,000 covenant promises should go boom in your life and change who you are and everybody. Right? Isn't that how it ought to be? I once told a friend of mine, I'm going to call any church I start the boom center. I want stuff to boom, man. I don't want to sit around and talk about it all day. I want to experience it. You know what I mean? That's why God won't let me start a church because i got stupid names in my brain. (laughs) Would you give me my... I I didn't bring... Oh, I did. I did. I did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Get it in your hands. This one's one's used. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I got no bread. Thank you. Okay. Now understand our theology here real quick. As far as we are concerned, nothing changes about what's in your hand. Bread, bread now would be bread in your mouth. Juice now or wine now would be wine in your mouth. It's not the point. It's what's happening in the spirit. It's what's happening in the spirit. Keep you seated here for a moment while we make sure everybody's got one. Anybody not have? Our friend down here does not have one, gentlemen. Anybody else not have? Just keep your hand up for me. I can't see you, but they can. We'll make sure you've got one. We don't want you going home saying, well, I would have experienced the covenant promises of God, but the brothers couldn't get me a cup. No, we don't want that. We'll wait for a minute. We're not in a big rush. We good, got a few up here. We good? Okay. Anybody? There's somebody right here in the center. I'm, I'm pointing right there in the middle just to help. Sorry, I can't see. Okay, let's stand. Let's stand. Now go ahead and do that thing you got to do to get the, get the bread here. Don't hurt yourself. It's just bread. But when Jesus blesses it, reminded of Peter, who said, by his stripes, the stuff he endured in his body, you were healed. The awesome thing of the Lord's Supper is not that we make some big ritual and formality about it, but by faith, this is an application of the healing power of God into your bodies, yes, but also into your whole relational house. So Father, we remember that on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and blessed it said so do this in remembrance of me eat we eat it now believing that all that jesus body purchased is applied to our lives in jesus name let's partake. and lord we take this juice and we hold it up before you and we say ask you to bless it we believe that this is an emblem of the blood of jesus that in the spirit realm and, and by faith is the blood of jesus being applied to our lives to cancel the power of sin but you also teach us in the word that christ our sacrifice lamb is slain so that all the promises of the old testament passover come into the new testament through jesus and are celebrated in the eucharist the lord's supper the communion so we say now in the name of jesus as we drink this in a moment By faith, we are splashing great swipes of the blood of Jesus on the doorposts of our household, us, our spouses, our extended family in every way, protected under the blood. Bring them on their own journey to to faith. If they're not there, bring them to you. But Lord, they're in our house. They're in our house. So the curse passes them by. Prosper us, we ask, in the way that we describe, not so we can just show off, nobody here wants to do that, Lord, but prosper us so that we can be a blessing. Give us so much we can do like your servant Rick Warren and live on 10% and give 90% away. That's how we want to live. Deliver us, Father, from every form of Egypt-like, we mean that in the spiritual sense now, not the natural sense, every form of Egypt-like bondage of oppression and jobs that are not right and desecration of our families and killing of the next generation and loss of heritage and legacy and all of it all of that evil darkness and put us number four of the scotian factor into the land of destined victories and proper placement and and connection and community and heritage and legacy and and generational purpose that's our prayer we swipe our lives with the blood of the sacrificed lamb thanking you for the canceling of sin and the covenant promises Let's drink to the glory of God. Hallelujah. I think that deserves some worship. I think the Lord deserves some worship for that. Hallelujah. Come sing this with me.